The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests, and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another week of the Latter-day Lives podcast. This is Episode 8. My name's Sean Rapier. I'm your host. I'm so glad you decided to join us. We've got a great conversation. This week, we've got Scott Christopher, an incredible actor. You've seen him on Granite Flats in the best two years, uh, just all kinds of amazing movies and television shows, and it is a fascinating conversation. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'm going to tell you about a man I only met for a few minutes, but who had incredible impact in my life. Before we jump into the conversation this week, I want to thank you uh, for listening in, and we just appreciate it. We can't believe how big the show has gotten. You know, we don't do any kind of advertising or anything like that, just word of mouth and social media. And we're so uh, just grateful for so many of you who have uh, shared this podcast with your friends. Uh, we had an interesting experience on Saturday. My wife and I went out to dinner or out to lunch, and uh, we decided to try a new place. We went to O'Crowley's Tacos right here in Linden, Utah. And O'Crowley's is a great place. Irish tacos. Who heard of that? It's, but they are wonderful. And the owner recognized me. He said, are you a comedian? And I said, I am. And that led to a conversation where I shared with him about the podcast. And he said, well, how exactly do you access a podcast? And, you know, there are just a lot of people who have never listened to a podcast. So I have a favor to ask of all of our fans. And that is one, if you'd find someone who would enjoy this podcast, who enjoys uplifting uh, faith building conversations. But two, if you could make sure that they know how to access it, either show them on uh, the web, how to go to SoundCloud, and they can stream straight from SoundCloud. Or if they have an iPhone, they've got the app right there, native in their phone. Or if it's a, a Google device, they can go to Google Play Music and stream it right from there, or download Stitcher or TuneIn. There are so many apps on uh, Android devices. I would appreciate it. And again, we just thank you for listening and for sharing. And without any further ado, here is the show. All right, friends, welcome back to the Latter-day Lives podcast. We are very excited to have a special guest in studio today. He is what I would call an actor's actor, a true, true actor. Yes. Wow. Uh, it really is. It's our pleasure to have uh, with me here, Mr. Scott Christopher. Scott, how are you? Great, Sean. Thanks. It's Fantastic. a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So glad that you could join us. Yeah, me too. Great. So before we jump into the interview, uh, for the first time on the podcast, I'm going to read some listener mail. Never done this before. Mailbag. Mailbag. Nice. Here comes the mailbag. So uh, this is from uh, Jen. This is an email uh, that I received this week. I thought you'd enjoy it. It says, hey, Sean, loving the podcast. I'm sure you thought of this, but I think you should basically have on the whole cast of the best two years because it was pretty much the best Mormon movie ever made. Oh, wow. Then she names in order. Number one, Scott Christopher, <laughs> Casey Clyde, <laughs> Kirby Hayborn, 
Nibbly's episode was awesome, by the way. Heck, Michael Flynn would even be cool to hear from. Anyway, keep up the good work and I'll keep listening. Well, now, Sean, I'm sure as a relatively intelligent, grown man, you recognize the power of alphabetical order. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're trying to pull one on me. No, no, no. I'm number one, but truly, Christopher comes before Casey Clyde. I I see no evidence of that. (laughs) No, and actually, Clyde comes first. CL comes before CR. This is CH. See, I, boy, do you want to start This over? is a fan. No, this is a fan. <laughs> oh, that's nice, though. That See, is I nice. wanted to start off with a nice note, right? Somebody th- requested you, but also, yeah. for our listeners, when you request stuff, we take it so seriously. The minute I read that, I, well, all right, never mind. We'd actually already arranged this. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make it sound like I had just moved yeah. heaven and earth You're to so get quick you quick on the draw. Once there's it. an email. But we do read the emails and we do listen to your guest suggestions. So get them out there. But we're so, so happy to have you here, Scott. There's so much to talk about. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself growing up and... Grew up in Michigan, uh, born in the Detroit area. Yeah. And uh, my mother, we went to a lot of different churches, a lot of different faiths. Uh, she was a single mother of four and I was the baby. And uh, we, uh, I remember going to different uh, Protestant faiths as a young boy and uh, coming home and, and uh, acting like them for my family's laughter, standing behind a wingback chair and, and uh, telling them that they were all going to, you know. <laughs> you were playing the whole preacher thing. and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting, even in Michigan, like the preachers had to affect some sort of Southern Baptist accent, you know. And um, so we had a lot of fun. Anyway, the Mormon missionaries knocked on our door. And she was of golden contact and an absolutely amazing convert. And uh, your mom was just prepared. She totally was totally prepared. Awesome. She was seeking and looking. And so we joined the church there. I was baptized in a river in the winter behind my branch president's house. In Detroit, in a river in winter. This was actually now in northern Michigan. We moved okay. up into not the upper peninsula, but uh, the northern part of the mitten. And uh, so that's okay. So I'm glad you brought up the mitten. So this mm-hmm. is my question is, and our, our listeners can't see, maybe we'll take a photo of it. But where did you live in Michigan? Right, and I'm right, holding right. up my hand. If to... you don't know, if you're from the Great Lakes area, people... up by my index finger, up, up by up by the top of your <laughs> index finger. That's right. Yeah. So I had an office in Auburn Hills for about oh, two years. Nice. Yeah. So I was out in Auburn Hills at least once a month. And you ask people, so what part of Michigan are you from, or what part of the Great Lakes area are you from? Immediately their hand goes hand up, and they up. point to somewhere on their hand, and I have no clue what that means. And so when I'd go out to dinner with people. From Michigan. I thought that was so clever that they had it. We don't have something like that. They would say, I'm from here and point to their hand. I would take some table salt, dump it on the table, dump some water on it and say, if this is the Great Salt Lake, I live here. Nice. It was the only thing I had. That is really, yeah. Yeah. So, but everybody I know from the Great Lakes. And by the way, the company I worked for was a born again Christian based company. Sometimes I'd stay out there for the weekend and they'd invite me. It is rock bands. Yeah. It is, and they get into the southern accent, which is funny. Yeah, You're in Detroit, no, no shortage of born agains in that area. Yeah, and, it's uh, and it's a beautiful faith. You know, it's an incredible. Everybody I worked with was great. They were all nervous about a Mormon. They actually held a meeting with the owner because he bought a company I used to own, and I came on board with them. Yeah, they held a full meeting with him. How could you bring a Mormon into our midst? Oh wow. So it worked out great. So you were yeah. in, so now you're in Northern Michigan, you're yep. baptized. Yeah, baptized, we, you know, and then my mother was dating, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a um, college professor who kind of just wigged out on her and, 
And uh, in her story, he tried to kill her one night in a park. Oh, my gosh. And she came home about, you know, midnight or whenever it was and woke us up and said, we're moving again. We moved a lot through Michigan when I was a yeah. boy. So how, I was how always old were the you new when, kid. How old were you when you got baptized? I was eight. You were eight? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked yeah. out great. No, because I was five when she joined the church. Gotcha. And my older siblings okay. got baptized. So I was, yeah, I, I already had some indoctrination. But we, uh, our home teachers earned their celestial reward for a lifetime. They packed us up. They rented us a U-Haul and took time off work and drove us to Utah that we'd heard of because of the crickets and the seagulls and primary children's hospital. We remember every you know few months asking for coins from our, we're like, why would we give money for sick kids in, <laughs> Pennies far, by the in another country? That's exactly what it was. I had no idea. I haven't and, thought uh, of pennies by the inch in many years. Yes. They moved us out to Utah. Uh, one of them had- Your home teachers. Our home teachers drove you. us to Utah. They were that excited to get rid of us. <laughs> I think Escort that just, you to the county line. That just takes and home teaching to a- Gosh, Another, I, yeah. I always pat myself on the back if I take a loaf of bread. Right. I don't even bake it. Good I just idea. pick it up at Neater's and I think I'm the greatest home teacher on earth. They are driving you out. It's amazing. Oh, we, we ended up awesome. in Orem, Utah um, with the Patton family uh, who had, were a multi-generational, long-time Orem family uh, at about uh, 12th South and Maine, where um, there's now th that whole uh, 13th South, we called it, is now the exit. What's it called? A University Parkway. Oh, University Parkway. And right. all of those so dealerships and all of those hot dog places. And yeah, That sure. was all just orchards and Patton's owned a lot of that. Jeez, cool. And they put us up for a couple nights. And we, anyway, anyway, we ended up staying in uh, Orm for a long time. I, I graduated from Mountain View High School uh, the first few years it was opened. And um, we, yeah, we, I went and, to BYU. And, and that's home. So when did you start mm -hmm. acting? I, I wanted to be an actor when I was th three. Yeah. Did you I, do, so you moved around a lot. Did you do productions in school or was it? I did it? some plays in elementary school. Yeah. I played a woman once. Really? My teacher, I, I just because I was so obnoxious, wanting the to be the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, to talk about dated, it was a play about pet rocks. Oh. And it was a pet rock convention. And, and the lady said, the biggest role is the reporter. And I, I, my hand went up. I said, I don't want to be the reporter. I'm the best actor in this class. Everyone knows it. <laughs> and she said, fine, you can be the reporter, Scott. And she said, by the way, the reporter's a woman. And I went, bring it. <laughs> and I wore, I have pictures of me wearing a dress and high heels, my sister's clothes. That is fantastic. <laughs> For our younger listeners, Pet Rocks yeah, right. <laughs> or something when we were kids that was a big deal. They sold them. They actually sold they Pet sold rocks. rocks. came in a little cage yeah. and it was literally just a rock. That was a phase. So stupid. In, you know what? In about uh, 30 years, 35 years, we're going to be talking about fidget spinners. Tamagotchi. Or a, or yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I, I don't think that play is going to make a revival, by the way, the, the Pet Rock Convention. It was um, stupid. And then you went to uh, BYU on an actual acting scholarship. How did that come together? Yeah, you know, I was, I was very, very blessed to have had a gentleman move in to uh, move over to Mountain View High School from Payson. His name was Charles Lynn Frost. You may even know him. He's been around forever. And he was by far considered the state's best educator. Yeah. And, and he happened to be a theater drama guy. And uh, he came over there in my junior and senior years. And I was the only one who came to him during the registration day. Everyone else went to the other teacher because he was so much fun. But he was a wrestling coach who oh, taught yeah. drama. He didn't know anything at all about theater. 
And there was this little man <laughs> standing. I said, who are you? He said, I'm, I'm Lynn Frost. I'm the new theater teacher. I said, can you help me become a professional actor? And he said, well, I'll do my best. And he told me later, he said, you're the only person that ever came to me and asked that question. Wow. And he, he made me the lead and for the next two years in every single production that oh. he did. And, uh, and I'd like to think that I earned it, but so I, sure, I was course. in these shows and then he was able to bring in professors and recruiters from other colleges near and far to see me. And I was offered scholarships from the university of Utah, from Southern Utah and from BYU. And I chose BYU because that was where my heart was. I was living in the area. I was always a Cougar fan. So, and he was vested in you. I mean, it sounds like he really took it, made it his mission. One of the things I love about your story so far is, you know, a lot of us think I'm one guy. What can I do? And I hear about these home teachers and I hear about this teacher and the trajectory of your life. If these home teachers hadn't helped out, maybe you're still in Michigan. If this uh, teacher hadn't really taken a, a loving interest in you. You know, your trajectory of life would have been very different. I would have, I would have and I just, so. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. We, about- we caught some breaks. You know, being raised by a divorced single mother, and, and, and I knew my father, and he would take us on weekends when we lived in Michigan every now and then. But there was never really a connection, yeah. really, especially being the youngest. I was only a year old when they divorced. Um, so father figures in my life were a huge deal to me. And I think... On a personal note, to this day, I, I look for those opportunities. I've been blessed to be the, a father five times over. I never thought I'd be equipped for that or able to handle it. Um, but I, my mother instilled in me a f- deep and abiding faith that there is a heavenly father that is making up for these deficiencies in a temporal way. And, and he, he's there for us and there for me. And, uh, and, and, and for me, my life and its trajectory as successful or unsuccessful as it, as it is, um, has, has ever been informed by the presence of my heavenly father and he has greatly blessed me and, and my posterity. Yeah. And one of the things I notice because we're friends on social media is how important your role as a dad is. In fact, your, your name is... Mormon acting dad. Oh, I have acting well, Mormon dad. One of my Facebook, yeah. Yes. The public one is Scott the Mormon actor yeah, dad. Yeah, uh-huh. Scott the Mormon actor dad, which we could pretty much just post that, and that tells you all we need to know about you. Those that's, are the important things the in your life. Yeah, Mormon yeah. actor dad. You know, and I often see it's fun because you're constantly posting about your kids and about weddings and missions and all kinds of stuff. And you, it comes across, it's a great example as to how important your family is to you. And well, it is. And I, and I honestly, I should probably post more about being an actor and a Mormon um, to give it equal billing, you know. <laughs> it's a lot of dad. I don't do, an, I don't, I don't think I do enough promoting of my beliefs and faith. Mm. I try to, I try to just do what you said, which is just post things that matter to me. And then hopefully, you know, there's a a fairly, uh, there's a connection there for people. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, just the name Mormon, no, but the name Mormon actor dad. And I think by putting such an emphasis on your family, I think that connection's made. I get Mm, it. Okay. I, I totally get it. And the family, you know, I mean, look, we have an entire proclamation about it. So I think that That's ties true. back in. One thing I need to ask you on behalf of all of your friends, this is an intervention on behalf of all of your friends. Oh, 
stop doing Facebook Live while you're driving. It terrifies <laughs> me. It's so yesterday, yesterday or the day before you were driving back from LA, it was you were saying it was 108 degrees and you are constantly in this stop and go and I'm seeing the car jerk. <laughs> While you're recording Facebook Live, don't get me wrong, very entertaining. No, please, no one do that. I, I don't, <laughs> I, no one do that. I really only do that every now and then when I'm sitting in traffic yeah. and I'm so bored. Okay, good. There's nothing to do. And I hold it in one hand. And I do have the magnet thing that I, it, yeah. I so I can be hands free, but you couldn't see anything. So I hold it in one hand, but it, the, that hand actually is, is holding the wheel. And I generally am looking at things. Okay, I can good. I can multitask. All right, that all right. Way, I'm just I, saying. I, I on behalf of all it. of us, we love you. We don't want an accident. Nothing. I promise. It's I great. Know. But you have a lot of fun Facebook Live videos, and I think it gives people a peek into your acting side because I've noticed I've watched a few of them where you talk about, "Hey, I just got out of an audition, or we're on set today," and that well, gives people a cool view. I think I think truly, and I and I, I I would like to think that most of my friends and even others who do this are in the same boat. I could not possibly care less what about what people are doing. I mean, I try to be nice and stuff. And I know that people do not care about what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. And I think that Facebook Live and these other things, truly, the everyone, please believe me, the only reason that I would ever do that is because I'm trying to get work. I'm trying to get what you just said, which is I think people can kind of see that the, the acting side of you, you're performing. If you're quick, if you're funny, if you come off as a good MC or host, the, the idea for an actor is will anyone out there watch that, make the connection and go, sure. we should hire this guy to be our da 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 da? Yeah. Or we have a part for this guy. If I weren't an actor, I would turn off and shut down all of my social media. I yeah. I simply don't have time in this world of worry and concern and so many yeah. other things going on for such a petty thing like social media. You know I, I, I mean? think it's really wise um, actors to think of themselves as always auditioning. Everything you do is an audition. You Isn't know, that and the truth? I, I have a couple of actor friends who everything they release is negative. Every time, every time I see a post, a video, or something, it's oh, what's wrong with this guy and this idiot, whatever. And I think who. Is hiring you? Yeah. Who's working with you, Mister Positive? <laughs> That's who I want to have on set. But so you you go to BYU and then you served a mission. Tell us where you served your mission. So I served a mission in Barcelona, Spain, um, and uh, it was the absolutely greatest thing, obviously, that ever could have happened to me at that point. I was never really a bad kid, but I didn't really have a really strong grip on gospel stuff. And the only reason, one of the main reasons why I went was because everyone else went and I, I missed them. I was younger than everybody. I was, I was always a year to a year and a half younger than my peers because mm. I had been moved up when I was younger in school. And uh, there's a stigma that comes with being young. Luckily, I was tall and incredibly athletic and good looking. And so yes, um, <laughs> that helps. That always helps. <laughs> you know, I've no heard. one ever knew that I was, you know, five years old right. in 10th grade, you know, uh, <laughs> But, I, you, know, but you got to serve in the most beautiful. It was I've, awesome. been, I've been to Barcelona yeah. four times, I think, and yeah. Las Ramblas and the people oh. and 
uh, for me, uh, embarrassingly, the ham. I just go for the Iberica. Oh, look at you. Yeah, yeah I'm just all about the Iberica. Cones of ham. You go get a yeah. cone of ham, and you walk down Las Ramblas down to the water. And a cone of ham. Is that the worst? Is that the, as, a, as a semi-Spaniard, is that offensive to call it a cone of ham? No, I'm sure that's what it is. You know, I never, ever did that. I, uh, mm. I, I remember they would lay out the little strips of ham on the yeah. tapas and stuff when we'd be visiting as missionaries. No, my, my favorite you, food was just chocolate croissants. That's chocolate croissants. Yeah, yeah, croissants yeah. filled with chocolate with oh, a little yeah. sprinkling of powder on top. Oh, I've yeah. never had that in Spain and France. I've had that in Paris a few times. Yeah, but, no, I'm sure they brought but it down at Las Ramblas. Yeah, you go and they literally cone hand you a cone. They hand you like it's like a <laughs> it's like a snow cone, and I actually eat it like a snow cone. Yeah. I lick it, and <laughs> lick just, it. <laughs> just eat it right out of the cone. It's delicious. But a barica ham is, I mean, come on. That's incredible. Yeah. And you've been back a few times since then. I've probably 12 or so uh, through the years. Uh, Originally, we went back. Jeff Burke and I went back. He also served there. Uh, He was on here. Yeah. yeah. No, he hasn't been on the show Oh, no, not yet. But he has come up in almost every episode. He'll be Jeff is a good friend of ours. Jeff and I served there. Uh, He was a year before me, of course. We were friends in high school, and we were best friends in high school. And for us to go to the same mission was... That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And but we went back right at right right when the Gulf War, the first Gulf War started because prices dropped to yeah. like three hundred bucks round trip and we couldn't resist it. Sure. Um and then I've been back several times for work as a speaker. I'll uh, I've had clients that have meetings in Barcelona. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I must yeah. be there. It's the you, best. You're willing to lower your rate a little bit to go to Oh yeah, you get flexible. Barcelona, it, you get real when flexible when, it's, when, it's when your you get mission. a good gig. Yeah. Sure, of course. <laughs> So your mission shapes your life, of course, who do, you know, for everybody, and yeah. and uh, and then you you come back and you you go back to BYU. Uh, yeah, did I right away? You know, I, I ended up finally getting my bachelor's in two thousand four. Oh wow! So it took twenty years to do it, but I did immediately come back. I taught at the MTC. I was a oh, Spanish you were an MTC teacher in the teacher. MTC. You must have been the most fun. I'd MTC like to think teacher. so. Yes. And I was the Spain culture class teacher. Oh, very cool. I forgot about culture classes. Yeah. yeah. I asked for that and I, because I, I spoke Spanish really well. I had the accent down. And uh, as actors, you know, we kind of know how to sound like the people. Yes. And uh, you're, a, you're an actor and a voice actor. So I do voice course, stuff. Sure. Course. Yeah. Yeah. So I did now, go back see, to BYU. Barcelona yeah. does not have the lisp. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it does have oh, a yes. lisp. Okay. Well, Catalonia. I was thinking that was like Se- Sevilla. No, no, the whole, country the whole country speaks with the lisp. But in the south, in Sevilla, theirs is so sing-songy, they kind of reverse it. Like they'll lisp on an S instead of on a C. You don't oh. lisp on the S's. Interesting. Yeah, it's not Lakers. You know, it's not Lakers. Yeah. It's Lakers, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, he's uh, Sean I'm, right now is wearing, wearing a Los Laker Angeles t-shirt. Lakers shirt. Proudly. Um, but in, in Catalonia, where they speak Catalan, there is no lisp in their language. Oh. But they all speak perfect Castellano. Interesting. And uh, yeah, so I still speak con la zeta. Yeah, I absolutely do. Oh, con la zeta. Con la zeta. With a Z, <laughs> that's what that means. Which when I, you know, I served my mission in Chile, I th- like to Concepcion? think my... Concepcion? No, in Osorno. <laughs> Osorno. Osorno. Yeah, I'd like to think my Spanish is pretty good. Then I speak with people from Spain when I go. And when I've gone to Barcelona, I've been with other groups. I am the translator and people will speak. And sometimes I just have to say, uh, como? (laughs) And de nuevo? A little bit. Very fast. It's very fast. Mm -hmm. And they put emphasis. It's very different from Chile. It's just very, very different. But but that's awesome. So you came back, you're teaching at the MTC. How rewarding was that? 
it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. I, I so, again, with this sort of father figure thing, you know, I, I really uh, respected my teachers, even though at the time they were probably two years older was all. Sure. So to be one of them for me was a real honor. It only lasted a few months because um, I was called, I, I had to get to L.A., yeah, I, uh, I'd been I'd put off my acting uh, uh, career for those two years happily, and I wanted to get to L.A. And so, um, so before we get on to L.A., yeah. did, have you did you get a chance to tour the new MTC? No, Not no, yet. I used to go there a lot it's... as a volunteer over the over oh the yeah. years. Cool. But I but I was done volunteering there once the when they started the big. So stuff. I had not been inside since I was in the MTC twenty five years ago. Yeah. And we went and toured it as a family. I was surprised at how emotional I got. We walked in that main door. Yeah. That is a special Very place. Much so. I mean, that was, I was like immediately taken back and emotional. And I served 91 to 93, mm-hmm. but I was, wow. Uh, so you got to get out to LA, the classic uh, American actor gotta story. Yeah. You got to get to, so you go to LA. What's that experience like? Uh, it, it, very brief. Very brief. I, I went out with a girl, an ex-girlfriend of mine who happened to be back here in town. And she had a place in Beverly Hills and a little pink Volkswagen uh, Beetle. And we drove out together. I slept on her floor one night. And then I called my buddies, the Knutsons, who were down in Orange County. They're, they, they're actually uh, very, very famous to the people who know them uh, in Branson. They've had a theater in Branson oh, for wow, a long time. Cool, they're singers cool. and they're unbelievable. But I went with them. And one of their brothers, there were 10 brothers uh, six of them performed, and one of them had just left on a mission. And so they said, hey, we've got a place in our apartment here in Buena Park or somewhere. If you want to take over the rent, you can live here. And I, this is it. I'm doing it. I, I went to their house. I start, I walked down to the mall, started getting applications to get a job. I was going to be an actor in Los Angeles after all these years LA of actor. waiting. Classic. And literally the, day, the next day, uh, an old friend of mine, Steve Harris, a friend of my older brother's, from Pleasant Grove, called and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm in LA. I'm going to be an actor. He said, I need you in my film back here. I'm doing a film and I need you to play the co-star of this film. And and, uh, co-star literally then was the lead, co-lead. Now that term is used as kind of a day player PM. Um, and so I, after one day there, I, I got a bus ticket on Greyhound. I didn't so have you a were car. There, you were there. You had made all these plans and locked in and it lasted a one, day. One day. One day. The Lord said, it's not time, brother. Yeah. It's not, time for not, you to go yeah. back. Because I went back, shot this film. We actually shot it in Nevada. What um, was that? What was the film it called? It was called At Gunpoint. And it is to this day the only R-rated film that I've ever been in. And I I read through the script and I didn't perceive it as being anything. But yeah. they didn't have PG-13 then. but uh, Or maybe they just did. I can't remember. Yeah. But there were some cuss words and stuff. And I was not comfortable with it. But what was so great was when I was done with it. I came, instead of going back to LA, I went right back to Provo where I felt at home, tried to get back into BYU and met my wife. Ah, fantastic. How did that happen? Met her at a dance. We, all all I did when I was young was dance, dance, dance. Yeah. Uh, Me and my friends grew up dancing, dancing every night. So this was a YSA dance? dance? This was a dance at her, she lived at Riviera and it was across the street at Pine, no, I don't remember what the name of the apartment complex is, but it was an outside dance. And my buddies and I, all we did was look for dances. And we stopped at the stance and I, and I always danced by myself, uh, like we did then, you know, kind of up yeah, by the speaker sure. dancing to Frankie Goes to Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. And I looked over and I saw, uh, most girls didn't dance by themselves at that time, but there was this really beautiful redheaded woman with curly redhead and she just could dance. Oh my, my, could she dance? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I wish that we were on video because to see your face light up, I can tell you really I remember can't. what she looked like oh, in that she was moment. So cute, and I, and so we kind of we could see we were we were catching eye with each other, each dancing by ourselves, getting sweaty. And I'm a sweater. I'm telling you, I sweat yeah, from head to me, toe. Uh, ask too. anybody who ask Steve Clagg down the street yeah. who plays ball with me. He'd slip right off me. I'm I'm as sweaty as they come. Uh, you can't be sweatier yeah. than me. Yeah. I swear, I'm the sweatiest human being on this planet. But anyway. So, of course, that being said... Not to I, mention you were doing a full reenactment of Footloose. Right. I'm I mean, you're doing the whole, you know, I'm your feet are together. my heels, my and, thumbs are in my yeah. belt loops, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it's, you know, dancing to New Order. Yeah, and, perfect. Uh, and, and Slow Song comes on. Oh, you know, yeah. the whole mood yes. changes, you know, these two... And so I look at her, she looks at me, and I kind of, I walk over, and then you actually have to become a gentleman again and say, would you like to dance? Sure. And we got to know each other, and it's a long story. But man, uh, we, awesome. we we got we, that was September. What's well, we're we're coming up on uh, th- many years of our anniversary of meeting. We met September 9th, nineteen eighty eight, and we were married January fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine. So we we knew each other four months. We were only engaged about two of those. So that mirrors me and my wife, and that's awesome. It's awesome to hear your story. We knew each other. We kind of knew each other for about five months, but we'd never spoken. But from the time that we spoke and I asked her out to when we got married was just under four months. And then uh, in two weeks, wow. we'll be 23 years. Good for so you. And when did she learn that you were a big sweater? Yeah, Early right on? away. Okay. Instantly. Right. So when, you think I'm not going to be soaked in sweat when I go ask a girl out? <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear that. I mean, it's wipe down with paper towels, ask her out and run because <laughs> that's it. So what? what is your wife's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Liz, and, yeah. And Liz. And so what an, what an awesome story. Yeah. You know, I've, I've read a lot lately about how um, kids are, uh, youth are dating less or maybe going to church activities less. And I just think that your story and mine, I mean, mine happened in our ward and, and the power of that is just incredible. So well, it's, uh, you know, I mean, to get, to get out and be social and, to, and interact with people. Yeah, it's really and not just online, key. right? Not just yeah. via Instagram or hey, he Snapchatted me. Yeah, there's <clears throat> right. something about personal connection. Um, I sound like an old man when I say that, but uh, but I think it's really true. Well, you don't look like an old man, so I, that's okay. I feel like an old man. You still um, have uh, well, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're now you're married, and marriage changes your trajectory. Boy. I mean, it it changes everything because yeah. it changes your priority set. And so, uh, what did that? But but you kept acting. Yeah, you know, uh, my first. So what happened is, is we got married, and I basically said I'm not going to stay at BYU right now. It's not. There's nothing I can do with that at the moment. We need to make a living. And uh, the first year of our marriage, first nine months of our marriage, I had signed up for a radio school. Uh, everything that I did was designed to get me to be a Hollywood star. Yeah. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to be married. My wife's in school. We're going to live here. Um, I need to find other ways to entertain people and to be to gain exposure. And ever since I was a little boy, I loved radio. I would I would set up radio stations in the house. I put speakers throughout the house, all leading them back to my little tape recorder. I would push record play because I knew that I could get sound to come out of these speakers on a microphone. Oh my gosh, how cool! And I'd sit in there, and this is K L A F because my last name's Claflin. That's <laughs> yeah. the family name. And you know, I do this little radio thing, and I'd play music and and do jokes and. So I immediately, a buddy of mine from my mission uh, was working at K96 in Provo. And at the time it had changed formats, but uh, it was the station that I kind of grew up on living in Utah. 
And he said, we need somebody to do Sounds of Sunday on weekends. You're not going to, you can't say anything. You just sit there and babysit the board. And I That's said, the great. heck I won't. I, so I, I took the job and I went in and started playing, you know, Mormon music on Sundays. <clears throat> but I would totally turn the mic on, you know. It's the sounds of Sunday. That's what I was going to ask. Got Christopher and, uh, you know. <laughs> As if you did the smooth jazz voice. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah, that that's, would be Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Afterglow with uh, You're My Friend. Uh, <laughs> but what was cool, Sean, was that. That is really cool. I, I, I demonstrated some personality. The morning show guy who'd been there forever, Tom Walker was his name. Larson Bennett was his real name. He was the morning guy with the big voice, and he'd do the, the time, you know, three different ways. Yeah. 10 after 8, 8, 10, 10 minutes after an hour and 10 before 9 o'clock, whatever. That commute's looking ugly out there, folks. we got raining cats and dogs. Over to you. with <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Over to you, Scott. He hired me to be his – they just lost their news guy, and he said, just rip it and read it, you know. And so I'd rip it off the AP wire, and I'd read news for him. But I'd add personality. I'd talk to him. And after a couple of weeks, he said, all right, it's yours. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm old. It's your show. And so at 22, 23 years old, my first job in radio, and they hand me the keys to the morning show. Jeez. And it was Scotty at Sunrise. That is as big as it gets in radio. R totally. I mean, and, the morning uh, show, that's it. And so I pull out my Hot Rod Hunley voice. I do all these different things. I brought Jeff Burke. Yeah. For a while, it was the Scott and Jeff show. Then he had to go back to school, so I let him go. That's great. <laughs> and then, and you know, just to be able to to kind of whatever it took to to, to feed my wife and potential future children yeah. have to do it. You know, you got to. When when did your movie show start on TV and how did that come about? I was hired in 1996. We had just moved back from California. We li we'd lived in the Monterey Bay area doing radio and I was done with radio. I finally got out of it after about nine, eight or nine years. And we mo we'd moved back to Orem for a, a regular job. But my heart is always... You, you took a non-acting job. I took a non-acting to job. Your family. It was The next step was being a presenter. Yeah. So I was still acting. I was memorizing scripts for iOmega and Novell and other people. And then I would present them at trade shows. And I was really, really good at it. And so the company that had contra contracted with me hired me full time. They said, we, do, we want you for every show we do. How can right. we do that? Hire me. So they brought me back to Orem. But I wanted to keep acting. So I got an agent, Lasting Impressions. Here, lasting Mindy impressions, Hale. Sure. Right. She was my first agent in sure. the area. It lasted a little while. And then TMG started in 96. Right. And they pulled me over with this KJazz job. KJazz was looking for a voice guy to do Thursday night at 9 on KJazz TV. Frasier, weekdays at 6 on KJazz TV. And so I started doing that. Yeah. You got such a perfect voice for that. Like, oh, that's that is very, so Well, you probably perfect. heard it and subconsciously yes, you yes. go, hey, that oh, sounds really good. And now it's, I want to watch Frasier. It's because it was me. It's because you're that convincing. <laughs> I really want to watch Frasier, Frasier now. Frasier is awesome. By the yeah. way, find it on Netflix. But yes. anyway, um, well, while I was there working for Todd Summers, great, great friend, uh, I said, Todd, we started doing these late night movies where I would just announce them. Tonight's late night movie is blah, 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 starring Sada Sada. And it was just voiceover on KJS TV. And I said, Todd, how much time do we have for those? And he said, like 10 seconds at the beginning. I said, let's shoot it. All right. So we, we started with just me doing 10 seconds. Hey, it's Scott Christopher. Tonight's movie is Double Jeopardy starring Naomi Judd and blah, blah, blah. Uh, coming up next. And that was it. But there were, we had so much personality. Todd started thinking we should do more. Yeah. And, and it evolved into let's take 
the the B movies that are sent with these major releases because you have to play them. That was part of the package deal. Sure, deal. And we'll show those, but we'll build in a lot of time for you to mess around with it and to have guests. And we called it the K-Jazz Movie Guy. And it was the K-Jazz Movie Guy. And I used to watch what I loved about it is sometimes you would have an expert on you know, like mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. this week's movie is backdraft and we've got the fireman, fireman right. here, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it was a bunch of guys in a dorm <laughs> watching a movie and no offense to any of the experts you had on. I like the dorm stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I, right. I kind of knew, I knew Jeff from yeah. stand up, and uh, Jeff was on quite a bit. Jeff would come on Christopher and, Miller. I would have, on. yeah. And I know Christopher Chris Miller. And I sure. always have a good and, yin and yang kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And you guys would just sit and sometimes devolve into your own madness, which was always hilarious to me. I right. would always laugh. And these are in the days Pre Netflix, pre right. you know, if 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 you're watching a movie on a Friday night, this is what you're watching. Right. You know, my wife and I we'd watch and <laughs> and I'd be laughing hysterically. My wife would be looking at me like, "What's wrong with you? This I don't get it." And I think it was a very it was uh, it was just great. It was great entertainment. Thank How many you. years did you do that? I want to say just three or four, probably. Yeah. Um, at one point, they kind of wanted to tinker with uh, something new, and so they said, "We're going to try something new." And I said, "Oh." Well, but it's my show. Well, but it's our station. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and 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 they did, and they tried. Uh, they brought in you know my one of my best friends, Nate Jones, and uh, and Holly. I can't think of her name. And they were great, and they were funny. Had nice chemistry, but it had just lost some momentum. Yeah. And so I remember it kind of went yeah. away. And recently, as recently as maybe a year or two ago, I had talked to Todd Summers about who produced it about maybe pitching it again. To maybe Fox or someone else, it may be it's it may be just stuck in a time and place where it wouldn't be viable. Yeah, you know, in a time like today, like you say, with instant streaming and digital devices, it's harder to. Yeah, but but as funny as we made it, I'd have my brother on and my family and my mom. You know, it would just get so different um, that it that it was different. People would find it and they go, "What is going on?" Well, the you reason know. I liked it was, you know, we it was when we had small children or whatever, or my wife was pregnant and she'd go to bed. It made me feel like I got to watch a movie with other people. That's yeah. why I enjoyed it. You know, yeah. it was like I, you know, I wasn't there on set, but I got to kind of hang out and be a part of watching a movie. It was well, and chances fun. are, if you're thinking something about that scene yeah. and it comes right out to us and we say it, yeah. you're going to go, Kyle, I just was thinking how stupid Molly Ringwald looked in that scene. <laughs> And that's exactly what he just said. You that's, know? that's exactly it. <laughs> so you're presenting, you're acting. Uh, you uh, had a, a role in Handcart, which we had. Uh, mm, yeah. Kels Goodman was here. In fact, you've done a lot of work with Kels, as I kind of did seemingly, some research. Seemingly, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. We yeah. are very good friends, and we, we kind of have a fun uh, chemistry when yeah. we work. His episode know? last week was so fun. He is just, gosh, he's a talented guy. Um, but then, then we get into just a couple of films I want to talk about. Sure. Uh, best two years. Yeah. Your role in best two years is just awesome. And it's this. Nice. So you play the convert, uh, Kyle. the golden yeah. uh-huh. Kyle, the golden, golden convert. The funniest scene of the movie is Kirby Hayborn <laughs> trying to speak to you in Dutch. <laughs> Where did you guys film best two years? This was uh, in Holland. All of it was in Holland, except for the interior. Well, so half of the movie was actually in Alpine in a house. Uh, the missionary's apartment, but most of it was in uh, near Harlem, Holland, and also in Amsterdam, and um, and that scene with uh, with Kirby was at uh, a place called K- uh, Kokenhof. It's an annual 
uh, tulip garden that oh, yeah. people go to for two months of the year that the tulips are out. And and it was just uh, so much fun. Every minute of every day of that, we laughed. I've never laughed harder in my life than with those four other guys. And, you know, I was kind of the old fart. Uh, I was sort of the old guy. Old fart is acceptable is that on okay? this show. Okay, yeah. all right. I wasn't sure. <laughs> but I appreciate uh, you checking. <laughs> like, all yeah. of a sudden, I, I turn white. <laughs> Can I say that? You're going to hear it edited. I was kind of the old and I know <laughs> I was 36 and uh, they yeah. were in their 20s. Yeah. Dave Nibley, I think, was closest. He was maybe 29 or 30 at the time. Yeah. Um, but we, we just had such a genuine love for each other. Mm. It and, comes through. Uh, and, I, and I'm glad it does. Uh, there was just so many, you know, I always take credit for fun, some of the funny things. I'm not in it as much as they are. But so, like the scene in the store where he is hounding me with this Book of Mormon. Yeah. And I take a bottle of wine and he and puts he it back. he takes it out of your cart. Puts it back. As this, you walk away. This was my yeah. idea. Because we were, we, were, we were blocking it. And everyone, nothing was ever rehearsed or, rehearsed or blocked. We just, we tried to figure that out in advance. And Gordon, who was shooting it, uh, he said, we're going to do this all in one, one take. And, uh, and so we had to walk through and block it with actual customers and other people. And I got up to the thing and I said, Kirby, I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to put it in my bag. And then I'm going to just act like there's a reason why I would look away. And while I'm looking away, you put it back. On yeah. And to me, that is that that his timing, his look. It he is owns so pivotal. It, it but is I mean, so. It's the funniest thing. It's so funny. My wife and I went through and watched uh, mostly your scenes last night, just to be ready for the interview. And we stopped. We had to pause it. We were laughing so hard because I had forgotten <laughs> about it. I mean, I hadn't seen the movie in a while, but. But uh, yeah, you you put it in the basket and immediately, like it's nothing, he just lifts it out and right. nope, no, you're just not. Just doesn't stop, doesn't yeah. miss a beat. It's so great. That so I talked to Dave Nibley was on the show a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and same thing. He said that was the best movie experience. He said it was just this capsule in time for him that it was so magical. And uh, when you know, with um, right now with uh, all these interviews we're doing and everything else. Um, What's amazing to me is people, there's kind of this LDS golden film era, right? Yeah. Where where all of a sudden God's army kind of kicked it off right. and then it became a thing. And it was uh, the RM and the singles ward and church ball and, and all these things. And hands down, when I talk to people, every time they go, you know, what's a great film? Best two years. Yeah. Because it, it, it was different. It was different than all the rest. And it, you, it had you a lot of heart. It. Yeah. You know, a lot of heart. And I remember thinking, this isn't very good. I remember I read the script and I said, Scott Anderson has basically taken his play that he he, he didn't have a copy of the script. All he had from the 70s was a, v, a VHS recording of his work. And he had a stenographer or somebody, you know, transcribe from the play. And she typed it up and they handed that to us and said, here's the shooting script. Oh so we have my. this state. That's why it's, it's very stagey. And I remember when I was reading it, I thought, whatever. I originally read for one of the elders because I looked fairly young at the time. Yeah. And then he said, no, no, we, we think we got that. Why don't you read for this guy? And I read it and I thought, this, this is so stagey. It's, it's so over the top. And I remember we watched an original cut of it at some guy's house in Alpine. And, and uh, I just kind of went, boy, well, good luck with that. You know, whew. And then when it was done and it was mixed and it was ready and it was out there and we started hearing people's responses. Yeah. And then I saw it again. For me, it was one of those got to see it twice. And I went, right. there's so much heart in it. Yes, it's cheesy and corny. But it's not manufactured. There is a lot of genuine heart. Oh, and I, I think those those actors who played the elders were uh, spot 
Incredible. Um, the sensitive yeah. moments that Casey had with Kirby and Dave yeah. and Cameron even. I mean, And Casey's change over the course of the film, you really, you see a character arc that doesn't feel staged. Not it doesn't feel manufactured. No, well, and that's why I was so happy to be a, wrong. It's just a great, yeah. great film. And you, you have parts in almost every one of those films. You were in Mobsters <laughs> and Mormons. You were yeah. in the RM. You were in the singles. Like yeah. every, like you're the, the kind of thread all through all of those films. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about uh, a specific film that came up, Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration, which also came up with Dave Nibley, yeah. who played Alvin. Your role in this, you played Alexander Donovan, right. and you are commanded to go basically kill the prophet. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what you're commanded to do. There, When I watched that, there is a look in your eyes. There is this look on your face that's not acting. And I watched it two or three times. What was that role like? Uh, f- fabulous. I mean, uh, I, I, it was brief, succinct, but it, it for me, I, I'm always looking for a role like that. Now, I'd love to be the star of something. But when you can't be, if your cameo is a role that is that pivotal in the history of a people, especially right. one that you are so uh, close to, uh, it was an honor. And I... F- and I always pray before I do any role, no matter what it is, just that I can express myself in whatever way the Lord wants me to or, or get across whatever message. And I'm happy to hear you say that because, yeah, I, I, I'm not a real method actor. I, I don't get into a lot of techniques. You know, I always just say if somebody writes it well and I memorize it and say it, it's going to be good. If yeah. they've written it well, I'll, I'll do what I can. And uh, something like that, I mean, you yeah. it would be hard to mess up. Well, well, when he asks you, though, tomorrow you're going to take them out, you're going to kill the prophet, uh, your face just conveys this. Like, it was it was moving to me. Like, oh, thank you. And, and I can tell, you know, and, and I would like to think you really did that part very proud. Like, it, it, I mean, that he was like that. You know, that this was, you could see the emotion, then you go back to him and say, Hey, you know what? I, I'm not doing this, and if yeah. you do it, I'm holding you accountable. Yeah, that's right, baby. That's that's I'll see really you cool. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> now I know everybody listening is going to want to hear about Granite Flats. Tell us oh, how man. Granite Flats came about. I was very fortunate to have felt a, a degree of righteous indignation when I heard that they were casting that with all non-members, uh, and I understood the reason why, but it still hurt me as a as. For me personally, I feel like I'm a fairly talented, capable actor who happens sure. to be a card-carrying Mormon. Yeah, and that and shouldn't I've, exclude you from work. Right, especially one produced by my own faith. Yeah. And, uh, and so I let them know. I so, so tell many, us what Granite Flats is and who produced it. So Granite it Flats is a BYU TV a series. It was their first scripted series. They've got another one starting this fall called Extinct, based on a book by uh, uh, Orson Scott Card. <clears throat> and... Uh, <clears throat> The brethren loved the idea. They wanted to start getting more uh, things out in that space. And more commercial. More commercial things. More entertainment-driven yeah. rather than just studying the Doctrine and Covenants on TV. You know what I mean? With some professors or whatever. And um, so it's a period piece. takes place in the 60s. There's spies. There's Russians. There's intrigue. There's a little bit of romance here and there. And uh, and I heard about it from a friend who works at BYU TV. And I just I, – I was agog. I dropped my mouth. I went – all of us faithful, loyal actors who've been working and toiling and waiting for opportunities to do something, quote unquote, great. Yeah. And you're going to use L.A. and New York people. We understand the idea of being professional, but some of us here are just as, if not more talented than those people. Good for you. Good for and, you. Uh, and so I got an audition, at least, for a day part for a small role 
this Lieutenant Frank Quincy, who in the pilot would have two brief little scenes to just help connect the story and to just right. provide yeah. whatever. Praise the name of the Lord. The first day that I was there, by the way, that's my Pentecostal background. Uh, praise anyway. the name of the Lord. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and praise. That's my mom is still very much, you know, like you hold gotta, her hands You know what, though? You have to do praise in two syllables. Praise. Pra- praise. <laughs> Blessed be. Um, mm. And on that first day, uh, this wonderful man, Scott Swafford, who I'd met only briefly before, uh, who was the executive producer and director of the pilot episode, came up to me and said, after he'd seen my initial scene being done, and he said, you know, we're thinking, we're toying with the idea of of doing more with this character going forward. What do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I'm yeah, glad no, you no thanks. I know, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all like, pass. Yeah. No, I can't. I'm too busy doing trade show presentations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy standing up in front of uh, oh, gosh. Intel oh, to no. do a meaty acting job. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so he, I, so that kind of it just it it went from there. And and I was very fortunate, very very fortunate. Uh, there's and it was so a many great, talented great actors show. here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was great. We watched it and just loved it. You know, there was intrigue. There was almost kind of a, at first, almost supernatural vibe to right. it. Yes. You know, because you don't know what's going on in the right. town and there's a, you know, and the kids in it are fantastic. And yeah. and you got to work with uh, who I would call Mormon royalty as a non-Mormon though, which is Carrie Elwes. Oh, right. And Carrie Elwes, who played Bride. the lead yeah. in, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, he played the lead in The Princess Bride. I mean, is there a more quintessentially Mormon movie than The Princess right. Bride? <laughs> I mean, every youth activity, every whatever, you know, backyard screening, it's the one thing that's totally that's right. safe. We're yeah. playing The Princess Bride. How was it working? And not to mention, you've just worked with a lot of You've just worked with a lot of stars. I mean, you you have uh, been on Criminal Minds. You've been on Modern Family. You've done a lot of work with these big actors. Yeah. What's it like working on these big sets? It, you know, I always go into them, um, or I try to go into them thinking, it, it, Heavenly Father, is there some way that while I'm here, I can help influence any of these people in any way? You know, when we did Mobsters and Mormons, I played opposite a guy named Mark DiCarlo, who I knew. For me, he was quite famous. He was the host of yeah. uh, of this dating game. I can't think of studs. And uh, and he also had been on other shows, and I knew who he was. And to be able to kind of play the, the Mormon to his mobster and have it mirror in real life, we were friends, and he would ask about the church, and I would give him pamphlets and try to oh, explain the first vision. Anytime I have those opportunities, um, I, I take them because – Honestly, confidentially, that's part of the, the, the bargain that I'm trying to, to create with the man upstairs, which is, look, as far as you can take me, I'll take <laughs> I'll you take along the for the ride. You know what I mean? Like, I will try my best to yeah. help influence people in this industry. And which so, you are. And and I had this same conversation with Stephen Jones a few weeks ago, just sort of this. He says, uh, everything I'm doing right now, if it doesn't matter in a thousand years, I don't want to do it. Hmm. And so he takes that into account with whatever he does. It's not necessarily just doing something that's really important, but it's okay. Now I've got this opportunity, this role, this whatever. How do I make it matter in a thousand years? Which is what you're doing. You're the Mormon on set. You're very vocal about being Mormon. Uh, and and it really it really ends up being a, a great thing. So what, what projects are you working on now? Um, at the moment... Uh... I mean, you know, we still have our fingers, a few of us, really, really crossed and knees bent that Granite Flats will eventually make its way back. Oh, that'd be great. We we had 
we, we shot and BYU produced and paid for uh, a pilot of the next iteration of Granite Flats. Same cast. Bridge of Spies. Uh, Web, Web of Spies. Web of Spies. Web of Sorry, Spies. not Bridge of Spies. And, Web of Spies. Um, and they're still just kind of sitting on it, waiting to see what they want to do. Um, so we're hopeful that that will come back. It's it's Granite Flats 10 years later, basically. Yeah. Um, I've done uh, – what have I done? I've done you, have a couple couple of, of, you have a couple of books out. I do have books. Yeah. I mean, that has nothing to do with the acting stuff, but I have to, in order to stay alive, my other professional career has evolved into being a, a speaker and a trainer and yeah. a writer of quote unquote business leadership books. I mean, I'm not an author, but you have to publish. But you bring, to... you know, like the levity effect, you bring acting, comedy, all these things, humor into the workplace. I mean, you're taking, yeah. you're taking the world that you know and applying it to the business world, which Correct. is- you know, I've been in the business world for a lot of years. There's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of creative thinking. So, I mean, that's got to well, be rewarding too. Uh, once again, it's it's literally just a little boy who wants to be an actor since yeah. I was three. I want to be Gosh, able to retire inspiring. from acting. I want to be able to have my nest egg, my retirement, my 401k, whatever it is, but but end my life, end my professional life as the... Oh yeah, he was the lead on that one yeah, show that we all watched actor. for ten years. You know, I'm not there yet. I still haven't done it. You, but this well, other side debatable. of my life keeps us alive. The speaking keeps yeah. me alive. Yeah. Do you remember that we almost had a show together? You've probably forgotten this. You and I almost had a show, and I'll I'll no. trace it back because I'm sure you because you got to sure tell forgotten. me because I'm I'm so many years ago I got a call from my agent. I was with uh, Urban at the time. And they called me up and said, hey, there is a game show that's going to be produced in Utah. And it's this grandson of someone who did game shows in the 70s or something. They're holding open auditions and they're looking for a host. So I went in and auditioned. You and I bumped into each other there. But it was also it was like a variety show. It was like a play on the gong show or something like that. And in fact, I think it was the producer of the gong show. Um, and McCarty was really involved. She was running it or something. But I remember we went and auditioned and they had all these acts come on too. kids playing tuba. Was it at a hotel somewhere? Yeah. It was at some, okay. some yes. hotel. Yeah, I do remember vaguely there was a ball conference room, room we, or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And I remember bumping into you there and you looking at me going like, this looks like a clown show. What is this? And so then they needed a host. And then when I auditioned, they said, you're an improv guy we need another guy to cut to all the commercials and he's going to do this 15 seconds of, Hey audience, if you've got, you know, a dollar or $2 bill, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. Or if you've got a red comb, you know, whatever. And then I got a call saying, Hey, we are casting you as that cut to guy. And we have cast Scott Christopher to be the host. And I thought, Oh, this will be really fun. And they had this big budget. We're going to fly out to LA and, but we want to shoot it all in Las Vegas. They were going to shoot it in Vegas. See, I don't do as much acting as you, so you wouldn't remember all this. No, but this is, but they said, is sounding familiar They, they to said, me. we're going to fly you. You guys are going to do the show in Vegas. We'll tape five episodes, you know, beyond once a week, but we'll tape it all at once. And I remember thinking, well, this will be really fun. I'll hang out with Scott and we'll... Fun. And, and then nothing. It. Then it went to total silence, as projects do. And I remember I bumped into you like six months later and you were like, yeah, did you ever hear anything? More? <laughs> I said, no, nah, that, that apparently dried up. They spent, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars running auditions. See, but, but that what you just described right there, even to this day, to me sounds like a job I would do till the day I die. Yeah. I would love to do me that. Me too. 
Me too. I would have. That was my dream job was if I get to do improv, going into every commercial, messing with people in the yes. audience. That's, that's to me, that's a dream. See, job. I even had a hosting agent in LA for a while. Oh, wow. And I was up for things like Survivor. Wow. That ended up doing pretty well. Yeah, Survivor would have been okay. There were a couple other shows back then that they were fine. And I was having taking meetings as a potential host. And it just, they just didn't, it wasn't the right time. So you have, out. you have an agent in LA, you're back and forth to LA, you're, you're flying out to Barcelona and yet you have held big callings in the church. In fact, you were in a bishopric. You mentioned Steve Clegg earlier, Steve and Kay, mutual friends mm-hmm. of ours who are the best people on the planet. And they're listening. I mean, sure. They could not have been, they're the kindest. In <laughs> fact, really what's are. funny is. He was bishop and you were in his bishopric. He's now our young men's president and I'm his counselor. Well, I, I know he would want to correct you. He wasn't bishop. Um, oh, we, I thought... We the, were counselors to You were counselors bishop. together. Okay, yeah, great. So I you served in a bishopric, later. though. <laughs> yeah. You served in the bishopric together and you were later a bishop. Yeah, yeah. So you're a bishop. I travel for a living. How do you balance all this? How do you balance family and interviews and auditions? And it, how do you do that? Uh, I... You know, there really is just a, there's a grand plan and design and it's up to Heavenly Father as to how that works out. And, and so honestly, when, but when the time came that I was called to be a bishop of a YSA ward, so I knew it would only be three plus years, um, my business just kind of stopped being busy. (laughs) Wow. And, and I, I made enough with less work to continue to stay alive, but I was able to be, I was able to be at more activities, more campouts, more things than even my counselors were. That's um, amazing. No, and I don't mean that as a, as a slam on them. They were very, very busy men. No, and I the, gave but, them, uh, I said, don't come to stuff. If you, I always, less is more, just don't be there. It's okay. Your family comes first. Let's keep this in perspective. But for the Bishop of the YSA Ward, I knew that I needed to be with those guys. And I was at everything. I don't know how I did it either. I, That's it's, incredible. it's divine intervention, truly. Well, this has just been an amazing look into your life. And, and thank you for taking the time. I always end all of our interviews with, uh, with the same question, which is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Just a small question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. It's not the most important thing in my life. It is my life. It's it's the foundation of everything that I uh, do every day, of who I am professionally, of how I am as a father, as a husband, as a son. Uh, I have covenants. I have um, duties and responsibilities, uh, both that are known publicly and those that are just between me and my God. Um, there is truly nothing more important. And I hope that I've demonstrated that to him through the career choices that I've made, that, uh, he will always come first and, uh, the building up of his kingdom is, goes right along with that. So that's what it means. That's what it means for me. Awesome. Awesome. Scott, you are a tremendous actor. You are so well-respected among everybody. We have a lot of mutual friends. You're a great actor, an amazing presenter, family guy, just a perfect example of Latter-day Saints being Thanks, out Sean. there. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, we yeah, appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Grateful to be here. Wow, wasn't Scott just fantastic? You know, he is as uh, nice and as great of a guy as he comes across, just genuinely a a really good guy and we appreciate him being here 
you know, it's interesting. Themes keep coming up with uh, the guests that we have. I actually have gotten a few emails from people uh, noting how interesting it is that when these people open up about their lives, our guests, how much they learn. And, and that was great with Scott. One of the themes that came up, you know, he had these home teachers and uh, he had uh, this this drama teacher and other men who had stepped in in his life. And this week in my Latter-day life, it kind of reminded me of a story. You know, I, very, I still am very close with my father. He's been very involved in my life, uh, my, my entire life. But there have been other men who have been instrumental. And uh, one man who I only met for a few minutes, but I'll never forget, I was uh, 14 years old, and we had, uh, you know, I was living in San Jose, California, and we did a youth conference up to uh, BYU. We spent the week at BYU. Incredible. I can't believe we did it. We took several Greyhound buses and and came up, and I was downtown with my friend Jimmy Hunter, and Jimmy said, hey, why don't we go visit my grandpa? And duh, I said, who's your grandpa? That's right, Howard W. Hunter who uh, was not the prophet at the time, but was in line to be the prophet. Uh, you know, he said, well, and he was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. And Jimmy said, yeah, let's go visit my grandpa because we were right by church offices. And I said, sure, of course. <laughs> so we went and we checked in at the front desk and we sat there uh, for a few minutes waiting to go up and to see President Hunter. And suddenly President Monson walked by. And President Monson was clearly not the prophet then either. This was uh, many, many years ago, about 1986, this would have been. And President Monson walked by and I was in such awe. I've always loved President Monson, loved hearing him speak. And he walked by looking at some papers and he looked over at us and he said, hello. And we said, hello. <laughs> like in my mind, I thought, wow, that's President Monson. And, and uh, he kept on walking. And he got about 10 steps ahead and then he stopped and he turned around and he walked back and he was walking right toward us. And when he got to us, he said, brethren, hello, I'm Elder Monson. How are you? And he put out his hand to shake our hands. And that was such an incredible experience. And he said, will you please forgive me? I was so wrapped up in what I was reading. That was rude of me that I didn't stop to say hello. Now, of course, we didn't expect him to stop and say hello. He's a general authority. He's got other things to do. And he said, what brings you to the church offices today? And Jimmy said, well, my grandpa is Howard W. Hunter. And and President Monson said, oh, wow, you're Howard's grandson. How wonderful. And he turned to the receptionist and, and told her, he said, hey, I'll take these boys up. And we walked over and we got into the elevator and uh, went up and... Uh, Got to talk to him, went into President Hunter's office, and sat and spoke with him. And I'm so grateful Jimmy uh, allowed for that experience. And I'm also so grateful. President Monson spent about another five minutes with us in there and said, well, excuse me, brethren, I need to go. And he left. I don't think we know the impact we have on people's lives. Uh, I will never forget that. This past week was President Monson's uh, 90th birthday. And Happy birthday, President Monson. We just all love you so much. And I have a special love for him. Every time I see him, I remember when he took a minute to say hello to a 14-year-old boy. And uh, I was important that day. And I'm just so grateful for that. 
and 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 I can see it in Scott and I can hear it when he's talking about these men. And you know, sometimes we play a huge role in people's lives and sometimes gosh, just saying hello at the right time or asking how someone's doing or giving someone a hand. We never know what impact we're going to have. So that's uh, from my Latter-day Life. That's what's on my mind this week. Well, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, We sure appreciate it. We are so grateful for all the support we get on social media as well as with the show. Remember, uh, we can be found all over the place. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, TuneIn, and most popular uh, podcast apps. Now, one fun thing if you're listening to the show and you want to know what's that movie they're talking about or who's this person that they're talking about. Uh, We do show notes. If you go to latterdaylives.com, there is a whole section of show notes. You can listen along and click and we'll have links to any of the movies or any of the people that we're talking about. And uh, we really try to keep those updated for each show. If you want to reach out to me, if you've got criticisms, that's fine with me. Love to hear how we can make the show better or questions or comments. I can be reached at Sean, that's S-H-A-W-N, at LatterdayLives.com. On social media, we're on Twitter at Latterday underscore Lives. Facebook, it's just Facebook.com slash Latterday Lives podcast. And on Instagram, just search for Latterday Lives. And folks, until next week, when we have another amazing show for you, we hope you make it a great week. And remember, as always... There's a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.